episode 46 of Establish the Collection. I am your host, Cody Main, joined as always by everyone's favorite cardboard virgin, Gary Hartman. Gary, how's it going, buddy? Uh, I like I got a new nickname every week, it seems now. Um, I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, we were just talking a little off air. Still enjoying my hockey over here in New York. Um, you know, Rangers up 2-1 in the series. Big game four coming tonight. So, you know, been hockeying it up. All, besides that, though, pr- pretty good. H- how are you doing? We got the they got the Rangers hat on uh, yet again. I cannot wait for them to get bounced from the playoffs. Oh, Obviously. my God. Just, just joking. Just joking. You're but far you also, too spicy today, Cody. You also had to mention that uh, apparently episode 46 is our uh, Andy Pettit episode. So we're yeah, just yeah. Uh, hardcore New York sports fans today. Uh, we're also joined by a special guest for this very special episode. He is a Brian Dable lookalike writing about sports <laughs> NFTs for our friends over at On The Moment. Of course, breaking down fantasy football, betting, and the awards markets, everything else under the sun at Establish the Run. None other than Ryan Reynolds. Ryan, how's it going, buddy? Good to be back, gentlemen. Uh, I'm honored to be part of the Andy Pettit episode. So I'm, I'm looking forward to diving into some uh, let's let's make some money strategies with you guys. I think yeah, uh, I first time recurring guest, Gary. Is do I do I have that right, or have we had someone uh, else on more than once? Yeah, I think I think that is correct. I, I mean, Levitan doesn't count, so no, no, yeah, I think that is right. So <laughs> I, it's only right. And you know what, Cody, you could try to disparage Andy Pettit and our Yankees, but you got two Jersey boys sitting uh, there here with you right now, and uh, two is better than one. So go Rangers, go Yankees, go Andy Pettit. Let's talk some football. <laughs> this is this is brutal. What a brutal episode this is going to be. Now, obviously, joking. Uh, this this is probably you know we talked about it a couple of weeks ago when we did our NFL draft slash free agency recap. That was probably you know one of my favorite episodes that we're we're going to do now as a, a recurring episode year in and year out. If that wasn't my favorite episode, this is probably uh, the one up there in the running doing this NFL awards market look ahead and kind of com- uh, you know comparing it to what we think the sports card markets will do throughout the season as well. Obviously. None, none other than uh, Ryan t- uh, to help us get through this episode. Obviously, knows more than anyone that I know about the NFL awards market. So obviously, Ryan, you're a very, very busy man focusing on best ball awards markets, futures markets. I, I have even seen some of your content for OTM on NFL All Day. Have you done much offseason collectibles investing? Or have, you, have you even had the time to be able to do so? And if so, where's your focus been at over the last couple of months? Yeah, I, I always buy at least a little bit during the off season. Uh, you know, we'll we'll talk about some MVP long shots today. I believe that I I've put a few dollars behind. I've also uh, I haven't gotten nuts with NFL all day yet, just because the the market's volatile. But I mm-hmm. I have like around a hundred series in one moments that I just plan to hold. Maybe one day give to like a nephew or something of that matter. You know, so that's that's pretty much where I'm at right now. What's your what's your macro take on NFL all day at this point? Are we are we bullish long term on NFL all day? I know Gary and I we've done a few episodes on it, but really we've been you know we kind of know our role and and know our staying in our lane with the collectible stuff, really focusing on the cardboard stuff. But uh, obviously, you've put in plenty of work on the NFL all day uh, analysis. What, what's our what's our takeaway there at, at this point? I think it has potential in a lot of ways. I'm becoming concerned with how they're structuring their products. For instance, uh, their triple badge debut moments for rookies. You know, Trey Lance is a legendary. Where like Mac Jones is a common. Where it's like, what are you guys doing? What's the plan? Yeah. You know, right. so he's structured right. a little better. Aaron Rodgers, one of the five best quarterbacks of all time. His debut moment is him throwing like an eight yard out to someone. Where it's like, guys. <laughs> <laughs> the, the advantage you have over cardboard is you can provide compelling highlights that exemplify what these players are. 
So I would like them to, you know, I don't know what they're doing or what the plan is with those things, but I'd like to see improvement there. But long term, you know, if if and when Web3 and all these things come along and I feel like there's potential for these to be the first edition collectibles related to sports in that like new, like burgeoning industry. So I, that's where my primary interest is behind it. Yeah, that's where I'm at too right now with it. I'm actually a little bit more bullish on all day than Top Shot, although they go hand in hand. I just think that you can kind of really focus in on all day. We can in cardboard also, but with the quarterbacks, you know, with the specific cool looking plays that we want to where NBA is kind of, I think, more of a mixed bag. Um, and, you know, people value things a little bit differently depending on who you are and what you value in NBA. Where NFL, like, we could all focus in on the quarterbacks and the rookies and say, okay, these are the guys we're going after. So, yeah, I'm with you. I got about 40 moments right now, and I'm interested in catching the drops when they come still. I'm still interested in buying um, packs at least when, when they're, they're dropping. So, I love it. I love it. I, I think a lot of the discussion today is going to be applicable, applicable now to both markets, NFL all day and the cardboard market. Obviously, we're here to talk awards. Why don't we just dive right in with uh, the biggest one there is with the MVP market? And I think we break this down kind of by tier as it currently stands in the betting markets. I'm pulling odds off of DraftKings Sportsbook, and, and Ryan has a really good article uh, on the site. And I don't know how much these vary more now between from, you know, from book to book, but um, you'll see some wide disparities on some of these players. But I think we just keep it with DraftKings Sportsbook. I think there's a pretty clear tier one, and that also has plenty of overlap with between the betting market and the sports card market. And that to me is Josh Allen at plus 700, Patrick Mahomes plus 900, Justin Herbert 10 to 1, Joe Burrow 12 to 1. You'll notice I left out Tom Brady at 10 to 1 and Aaron Rodgers at 10 to 1. And, you know, obviously they're legitimate MVP candidates any time they take take the field. But they're basically known commodities in the sports card market. And I think we focus on kind of these hot hobby names from this modern and ultra modern group. Uh, Ryan, take this whichever direction you'd like to go. But at the top of the board, is there any one name in particular that stands out to you from uh, an awards market standpoint? The two primary favorites that concern me the most would be Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. Um, Allen's been right in the hunt two years in a two years in a row now. He basically carries that offense, and they have the most winnable division out of the AFC contenders that you just mentioned. I would say so. I think he's probably the guy to beat this year. Herbert, I, I love Herbert. Like if if you if you put a gun to my head and said who would you rather have Herbert or Mahomes, I, I might say Herbert. It would be close for me. You know. Yeah. Um, I, they did a good job this offseason building the defense. You know, the defense should be much better. Um, I'm a little concerned that Brandon Staley is a smart guy that's not adaptable. And that's – but still, I, I – Herbert showed last year he was right in the thick of it too. If the Chargers had a better record, he he would have been towards the top of that race. So I think they, they, they'd mark off two things. Can they be the best team in the AFC? And can they be productive enough to be the best quarterback in the, in the league? So I'm, I'm probably, I have those two on top right now. Yeah. yeah where's, where's your head at with the top of the board? Cause I, I looking at these names and looking at, as we'll go down the board, man, this AFC, as we've talked about on, on other episodes is loaded, loaded. Yeah. So one of these guys is really going to have to separate, uh, you know, in order to make a case out of the AFC, any of these guys stand out to you at all? 
Yeah, it's really hard not to be very high on Josh Allen heading into the season. I mean, for for so many reasons. Uh, obviously, they lost Brian Brian Dayball, but not not much to change from that offense. You know, Ken Dorsey stepping into the offensive coordinator role. If anything, you can argue that his weapons, or you know, I don't think it's even an argument. His weapons, you know, got better with the addition of Jameson Crowder and, and James Cook uh, as well. So, you know, really exciting potential season upcoming for Josh Allen. And I just want to see if the Bills can go out there, overcome that devastating AFC Championship loss, um, and kind of catapult them into. Like we've seen so many teams do in the history of sports, you know, come so close the year before and then just kind of dominate the next year. And I think that's kind of the way Vegas is looking at Josh Allen right now. So uh, I am all in on Josh Allen. You know, anytime I've been able to get my hands on some, I have, um, you know, we spoke a little bit, Cody, a couple weeks ago about how the quarterback market, at least in the cardboard streets, have really kind of stayed strong throughout the offseason. I mean, Josh Allen's no exception to that. I think his base prism is a fair one to look at because that 2018 for football sakes was not as overly printed as it was for basketball. So, you know, only a pop of 1500 on his PSA 10 base, and it's still up over the last three months, uh, 11%, you know, even over the last month. 10%. We're looking at a $675 card right now for Josh Allen. So you're not getting any discounts on the offseason uh, right now for Allen. So I think the hype is kind of going right right into the uh, preseason time, you know, mini camp time here. Yeah, and that's one thing, one theme that I think you'll notice throughout this entire episode is that we haven't seen too many offseason dips for these guys, unless there's been good reason for there to be so. You know, Justin Herbert, another guy that his stuff has been mostly flat or up throughout the offseason. Josh Allen, um, his our, uh, National Treasures RPA out of 10 sold for a record 312,000 in April, yeah. right? So like we're not seeing these offseason dips for guys and, and that probably makes sense. There's really no reason at this point until proven otherwise for Josh Allen stuff to dip. Um, curious, like you're trying to get your hands on Josh Allen stuff whenever possible for investors who don't have the $312,000 to buy his National Treasures RPA or even the $5,200 to buy his Prism Rookie Auto in a PSA 10. Uh, which was also an all-time record, just sold on June 4th for that card. Uh, for potential investors who do want to get involved with Allen's market, where where should we be looking if we don't yeah. have that kind of budget? I mean, refractors are even out the window here. Like, silver's yeah. out the door. Like, there's the, the silver PSA 10 is only a pop of 26. I mean, if you could try to maybe find some lower-graded stuff, like a PSA 9 is a pop of 71. That's kind of right under two grand. I think I prefer to have a PSA 10 in the base, given the 1,500 pop. Um, we've seen... You know, even in baseball, guys like Juan Soto have 20,000 pop and their cards stay around $200. So being, um, you know, at a six, seven, $675 card for a pop of 1500 I think that if he does continue to ascend to where he is, I think that's still a fine, okay place to, to look. Um, I think any kind of autograph stuff, raw, if you want any kind of RPAs that maybe are a little less than National Treasures, raw, you could scoop up. Uh, maybe you can grab some, you know, some kind of deals on auctions that end for things like that. I think that's kind of where you're looking, but almost no matter where you look, unless you want to try to just buy a bunch of raw in bulk and hope some of it grades, um, you know, you're, you're not going to be getting any kind of crazy cheap stuff on Josh Allen. Yeah. One last note here on, on Herbert, because Ryan mentioned some of the offseason additions to uh, the defensive side of the ball. And I think that brings up another good point. You know, obviously we're talking about awards markets and, and Herbert's MVP candidacy, but also I think if, if you're investing in a guy like Herbert at this point, you've got more outs Right. He's a younger guy still on that rookie deal. The team, the way the team has been constructed should give them, you know, at least chances if they can get out of this AFC, out of this tough AFC West and out of the AFC to, to compete for Super Bowls here. You know, you, you add J.C. Jackson, you shore up the defensive line with Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson. Obviously, they add Khalil Mack. They re-sign Mike Williams to, to kind of keep that offensive nucleus together. I think you just have multiple paths here if you're investing in a guy like Justin Herbert uh, to get paid off, whether he's accumulating stats whether he's playing in these big time games against AFC West foes, 
in prime time where he's got a lot of eyeballs on him, or, you know, if they can, they can somehow turn the corner and take this team to a Super Bowl run. So uh, love the Justin Herbert shot. I think I'm with you on Allen and Herbert on these guys from the top tier. Yeah, I just want to add real quick. The only thing on on Herbert that, you know, concerns you there if you're kind of comparing him to Allen or Mahomes or something is, you know, the amount of circulation, the amount of cards in circulation is double, triple the amount of the guys from 2017, 2018. So, yes, I do think there are more outs and I think there's more hype overall around it because he kind of was that hobby darling, you know, the true superstar right when this hobby took off during the pandemic. Uh, That is still carrying a ton of weight. But, you know, if for whatever reason, you know, he does slide back and I don't think he will. Um you know, you're, you're competing with a ton of people and a ton of uh, inventory out there. So that's the only thing. Ryan, do you have an opinion or do you have a preference on any of these guys if you were to invest in one of these kind of MVP candidates? No, that was all interesting with Herbert, what you said about the industry. That was that is yeah. that makes sense to me because yeah. when I was like a very small kid, my dad dealt in cards. So we're like talking like early 90s, you know, and Ken Griffey Jr. was kind of the Herbert. Oh, yeah. He was like the darling mm-hmm. that helped drive it forward. So I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah, for sure. One th- one thing I'll say with Mahomes on the downside is the Chiefs just have the hardest schedule in football. Yeah, they sh- their first eight games, like they could realistically go four and four. You know, so I'm kind of, I don't think Mahomes is like done or anything of that nature, but I would give Herbert the edge over him. Um, to your point with Herbert too, like you also have to deal with Russell Wilson's Broncos now, yep. and Derek Carr's Raiders. So that is, that is a mess. Um, Long term. Uh, we're, we'd probably be buying Joe Burrow at a peak right now, so yeah. I tend to try to avoid those things whenever possible. But I think he's going to be a factor, kind of similar to Andrew Luck, where Andrew Luck just had the Colts in the thick of things for like you know his whole career, pretty much. I think he he'll be around going forward unless something terrible happens to him injury wise. But uh, I usually I usually tend to buy dips on guys, so these guys are you know I might fractionally invest in something that jo- related to Josh Allen or Herbert maybe, but for the most part. I feel like the ship's already sailed for me on these guys in the car very, market. Very fair. Yeah. You, you bring up a really interesting name, and, and I want to get to this next tier because mm-hmm. I think as, as much as we all love tier one, uh, you mentioned it, the ship may have sailed for some of us that haven't been uh, heavily invested already. This next tier is really interesting to me, though, and I think you, know, you could easily make a case. You mentioned the Broncos. I think you could easily make a case for Russ Wilson to be in that top tier. But you know his car market, for whatever reason, it just lagged. Well, well behind those top four names. Um, so here in tier two, I have Russ at 14 to one, Dak Prescott at 16 to one, Jalen Hurts, crazy as it may sound, 18 to one, Kyler Murray, 20 to one, and Lamar Jackson, 25 to one. I forgot Derek Carr, 22 to one. Another interesting name I want to get some thoughts on. Um, but, you know, I think it's an interesting group here because you have a few established names who could really take, you know, a mid career or late career leap with Russell Wilson and Derek Carr with some of the offseason additions that their teams have made and obviously, you know, Russ changing teams. Uh, But then you've got Lamar who has an MVP award already under his belt. And then some of these young guys like Jalen Hurts uh, and Kyler Murray. Kyler was a guy that we saw in the thick of the MVP race last season for a good portion uh, of the season. So I I do worry about some of these guys, but I think there's a potential that one of these guys separates and could carry their sports card market along with them. Ryan, anyone from tier two that stands out to you with Russ Wilson, Dak Prescott, Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, Derek Carr, or Lamar? I have a Jalen Hurts ticket at 40 to 1 for MVP. So I'm just going to ride with that. Yep. Uh, I'm not, I have a little bit of him with cards and I have a little bit of him in all day. So I'm just going to stand pat with that. But, um, you know, I've been evaluating quarterbacks for a long time to buy cards of them. You know, like I said, I think I've said to you guys, the first car I ever bought was with the proceeds of Aaron Rodgers rookie cards. You know, yeah. the first car I ever bought with my own money. So amazing. 
I've been I've been digging into this stuff for a long time, and Herbert is not Herbert. Uh, Hertz is kind of an interesting case for me because I hated him in Alabama. Then he went to Oklahoma, and he was an entirely different guy. When when he played with Doug Peterson towards the end of the season two years ago, now he was you know a decent thrower. I saw some potential there last year. He looked more like the Alabama guy again, and but this year you know they bring in AJ Brown, who who makes the whole skill group better because mm-hmm. you have Devonta Smith as your wide receiver too, and Goddard's your third option. So I think there's a lot of potential there. I think Philly's good enough to contend in the NFC, so I like him as an MVP candidate. Uh, Kyler Murray's dangerous. Um, he seems like he's doing everything in his power to get out of Arizona. Yeah. But then bringing Hollywood Brown was interesting. Dak's a cross-off for me. Carr, I think, is interesting because he could put up big numbers with, with Adams definitely makes that offense better. Um, who was the other guy? Lamar. I also have a Lamar ticket at, I think, 30 to 1. But I was not happy that they got rid of Hollywood for him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm interested in Lamar also uh, of that group. Uh, obviously, we've seen it before. I just wonder if he like if he breaks another rushing record while somehow making the most of whatever this type of receiving core is. Uh, I, I would like to go see them sign like a Fuller or Julio or some just 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 you know boost that receiving core a little bit. But yeah, I'll, I'm right there with you. And I just kind of want to circle back to Hertz because we've spoken a little bit about him on the show here, but. You know, I'm actually going to pivot a little bit here because we haven't spoken much about base cards at all, especially with Ultra Modern. But I'm looking at his stuff on Card Ladder right now. His base Prism PSA 10 pop up around 1300. Okay, so it's not completely out of control. It's honestly not that far off from what we were just talking about with Josh Allen. Um, I don't have Justin Herbert's pop in front of me right now, but I think it's like triple this amount, and that's still a $325 card in the base. Jalen Hurts is $74, okay? So I'm not saying this is ever going to be a $200 card. I don't think that base really has that kind of reach for someone that's probably not a top 10-ish quarterback. But really easy division. If he if he does enter himself into this MVP conversation early, this card will go higher than $74. Almost guarantee it. So if you're looking for an offseason buy that does have some pop out there that you might be able to get yourself hands on, I think literally you know, significantly under a $100 card, I, I don't hate it. And it's like the first time I haven't hated a base buy in a long time. Yeah, when we're talking $74 versus some of the prices that we had to pay, you know, even just a year ago at this point, I, I remember uh, it was after the the draft and I picked off a, a Tua base before really understanding that the, the base market was going to completely fall out. And I think I got that card at what I thought was a value at that point for like $280, Yeah, right? You know, so so it is pretty wild to think that we've we've come this far in that understanding that the, the quarterback market has kind of sustained itself throughout the the start of the off season as we get into mini camps and stuff like that the fact that the market is sustaining itself um would it be crazy to see that card go from 74 dollars to 120 dollars you know if you pick up a few of them and are able to offload throughout the regular season as he does legitimize himself as an mvp candidate seems like a pretty low risk uh you know decent return type of investment for you know 74 dollars a pop I, I think I'm going to be going shopping after we done, we're done yeah. recording. This, this, this is usually what happens to me after <laughs> after talking with Gary. I'm like jotting notes down of guys that I should be should be buying. Um, the yeah. Lamar one is really interesting to me because we've we could be accused on this podcast of of being Lamar haters. I yeah, think just with some of the rhetoric last year, and and he really did all he could with the team around him as much uh, as many injuries as they dealt with. But this year, I am really concerned that. Uh, you know, this offense just doesn't necessitate him dropping back a ton. And when he does, to no fault of his own, he just may be uh, less efficient than we've grown accustomed to with, you know, legitimate guys at the wide receiver two and wide receiver three position 
that I was playing in NFL preseason DFS last year. You know, like James Proche and Devin DuVernay are not uh, top NFL caliber wide receivers. So hopefully they do go, go out and sign somebody. Uh, Lamar's cards have been one that I've been keeping an eye on, hoping to get a big dip uh, in his market. We just haven't seen it yet, but uh, love him at, at 25 to 1, 30 to 1 in the MEP market because we've just seen it before from him. Yeah. Uh, well, one guy here quick, I want to ask you about, because we, we've done this too last year with guys like Matt Stafford, Ryan Tannehill, even Russ last year, obviously a different story with Russ this year, but guys who we think or know are legitimately good NFL quarterbacks, but haven't necessarily gotten the hobby love behind them to this point of their careers. Uh, I think we have another situation here with Derek Carr in a loaded AFC West. They add Devonte Adams, still have Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, they bring in Josh McDaniels, uh, obviously a much better coaching situation than they had last year. His 2014 Prism base in a PSA 10 has a pop count of just 335 and last sold for $200. Is there any reason to think that we get like a, you know, if Derek Carr goes out and performs with his boy Devontae Adams, with Darren Waller, with Hunter Renfro, and can somehow make it out of this loaded AFC West or, you know, at least accumulate numbers throughout the course of the regular season, is there any reason to believe the hobby would come around on a guy like Derek Carr? this late in his career. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's possible um, for sure. I mean, especially because there's so much national media attention on that division now, like if he's somehow able to kind of raise that Raiders team to the, to the cream of the crop there. And I, and you know, I, I'm with, I'm with Ryan, like what he was saying before, I, I'm pretty bullish on what their offense is going to be able to do this year. I find myself coming, getting into a lot of Raiders stacks on the early underdog drafts that I'm doing. I think the prices on these guys are interesting. So, yeah, I mean, again, I, Make the point though, like of that class of him and Russell Wilson and some of these guys from the early 2010s drafts that just kind of fall through the cracks from a hobby perspective. You know, the people that are kind of younger and getting into the to the game don't have that the same affinity for those guys as they do for Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. Um, and you know, that kind of 2013 tops prism crossover years just haven't necessarily completely taken off in the same way that ultra modern has. So there's inherent risk involved, but that's not to say if he's able to make himself into an MVP candidate, like we've seen him do already in his career. Um, that there isn't room to grow on those products. All right, I'm going to group this last tier. We're only going three tiers, although I think you could probably make a case for four or five, but we want to keep it to like legitimate potential hobby names. This last tier, we're going to start with 40 to one. And this is, man, this is where our bread is buttered. I know Ryan agrees. I think if I remember right, when Lamar won MVP, he cashed multiple 50 to one tickets. He can mention uh, that, that process again too, but you start with Tua at 40 to 1, Trey Lance 50 to 1, Mac Jones 60 to 1, Justin Fields 80 to 1, Trevor Lawrence 80 to 1, uh, and then Zach Wilson 150 to 1. I, I, mean, I can't believe they're still hanging 150 to 1 on our boy Zach Wilson after what the Jets did this offseason. Uh, Ryan, I, I think you could make a case that we could split this tier up even a little bit more, but anyone from this group of guys that are at 40 to 1 or longer that stand out to you as uh, interesting either card buys or guys that uh, stand out from uh, MVP market? Uh, I'll focus on two for the most part. Um, even though I think all of them are interesting in their own way. Tua, Tua's, I mean, I mean, again, I, I, for me, I'd prefer to bet on a long shot in the NFC just because Tua's Dolphins have to be, they have to trump so many teams in the AFC, so that's my one caution there. But Tyreek Hill is one of the few true legitimate difference makers in the league. Then you pair him with Waddle, where that might be the toughest cover, you know, problem that coverage problem that anyone faces all year we've seen that Tua can actually throw the ball downfield in college he hasn't been able to 
in the pros, but bringing in Taron Armstead makes the whole line better. So we're going to go from like a the 28th or 29th best line to like a middle of the pack line this year for them. So I think, and plus I think Mike McDaniels is a very innovative guy too. So that's very, that's exciting. So I think there, I think there's a shot where he's very productive. I'm not sure that the Miami is going to be the best team in the AFC, but I think he's worth looking at. Trey Lance is the guy I really like because we, we already saw the 49ers went through the NFC championship last year. Um, their defense is solid. Their defense actually improved a little bit with the signing of uh, Chandrick West corner. Uh, I'm not sure how productive he's going to be, but we have this, you know, good, solid offensive line, really strong skill group, and you have one of the best five play callers in the league backing him up too. So as long as he's the opening day starter, which it seems like that's the direction we're going in, I think I have him at 66 to one, and I've been buying his collectibles here and there for the last like six months or so. Yeah, um, and we talk a lot about the fantasy success kind of carrying over into hobby success. And if there's anybody that, and we saw it in the two games that he played last year, he was able to put up fantasy points. I mean, if he's able to actually get into a groove with this offense, let's assume the Debo Samuel situation works itself out. Uh, no reason to think that he couldn't put up big numbers. And we know that, that the 49ers like to be really run heavy, but you know, if they're run heavy, that can include Trey Lance being involved with that as well, which I think would help his hobby market quite a bit. So yeah, I'm with you on Lance for the little prism buying I've done. And we'll talk about the prism release from last week and the last year's rookie class coming up towards the end of the pod here. But um, you know, he's been kind of one of my targets for sure as well. All right, there's one guy in, in kind of the long shot range that we left off because he deserves his own segment on the show. It's not officially an Establish the Collection episode if we don't talk about Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is, they're also hanging, I can't believe this DraftKings Sportsbook, hanging 150 to 1 on the next Josh Allen, Daniel Jones, 150 <laughs> to 1. Obviously, Brian Dable now with the New York Giants, uh, offensive genius Brian Dable, Ryan Reynolds lookalike Brian Dable. Uh, and, and I think that the cupboard is full for, uh, for Daniel Jones if he can keep himself on the field. And I guess that's a big question mark at this point, but do you have Saquon Barkley coming back? Darius Tony, I think is a baller. Say what you will uh, about the the size of the wide receiver that they drafted, but uh, I, I like him too. I think he's a, he's a stone cold baller as somebody who was able to watch him collegiately. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's a lot pointing in the right direction, obviously. And when, when you get Adam Levitan talking uh, nice about Daniel Jones, I think it gives you reason to be excited Ryan, can can you talk to me as a New York guy, as someone who is intimately familiar with this situation? Can you talk to me about Daniel Jones, one fifty to one, and reasons why I can be optimistic or maybe shouldn't be optimistic uh, about his card market? Well, I'm going to start by saying my primary interest in Daniel Jones' ascension is I've seen some of Gary's holdings on Daniel Jones, and I want him to be able to go <laughs> trade a few few of these RPAs. For like a houseboat, you know, and not give himself a nice <laughs> present for his uh, for his efforts. So that's that's my primary reason for wanting Daniel Jones to do really well as a Giants fan. Um, the situation's great, like for for Gary in particular, because we're gonna we're gonna t I'm gonna speak about this through Gary's lens because he has the most the most stake skin in the game. Here. I appreciate uh, it. You can't be happier with the the coaching hire. I mean. That's real, you know, John, I, I don't want to call him Josh Allen because I, I don't think he'd survive Josh Allen's running volume. But no. in a straight line, Daniel Jones is top five rushing quarterback. He's, he's faster. Really he's faster. He, he is. He's not bulky. Yeah. You know, Josh yeah. Allen has got, he's got that durability to him. I mean, he can, you know, he's a truck. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's Cam Newton in that sense, right, Josh right. Allen, where exactly. Daniel Jones is a little bit more fragile. A lot more. Uh, you know, he's shown that he has ceiling, at least as a passer. I'm a little... I'm a little bearish on him because, you know, when they played Washington last year on Thursday Night Football, 
the whole world went nuts because the, the, the Darius, guy like Darius Slayton didn't catch a 50-yard bomb with one hand. You know, so I feel like Daniel Jones is, I'm going to call him more of an average passer where maybe his ceiling is like a Derek Carr. That's like the best case scenario. And the thing that I like about it is now like the excuses over are over for him. You know, like if he doesn't show significant progress this year, you know, it's, that's it and for him in New York, I'd say. But I do think there's a path to them being much, much better on offense. Kadarius Tony's really good. You know, who knows if he stays healthy, but he's he's a difference maker. Um, my one concern is, and it's what I didn't like about him in college, is he has average at best instincts in pressure management. And that's kind of a killer. Exactly what I was going to say. His he's field. gotten a little better, but that's one area where I feel like Josh Allen supersedes him significantly. That's where I worry if the new regime can actually fix him. Cause like his feel and his ability to hit second and third reads and not get locked in. Like it's, it's not there and it hasn't been there. And like, I, I I'm with you cause the ceiling's there and his deep, his deep ball is there when it, when, when he's got time and obviously he's mobile, but I'm, I'm worried if, if what is missing can be fixed. So we'll find out, I think, early on. Um, I definitely think that this regime will put him in a much better system and a much better place to be successful. I don't think that's even debatable. Uh, I'm excited to see how, how this all shakes out. Hopefully, maybe he'll be a little bit more comfortable, have a little bit better feel if he's got some more time in the pocket, which by all you know measures, he should have a lot more this year. Let's knock on wood that we don't have any crazy injuries from this new offensive line. So, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, I'm rooting for, for everything coming out of, of New York. I know Ryan is as well. Um, we'll see. I mean, I think that he's, you know, an interesting long shot uh, for sure. And, you know, we can transition into comeback player of the year as well. I mean, he's interesting in that market as well. Yeah. What yeah. is he, what is he right now on drafting sportsbook for comeback player of the year? He's like co-favorite or, or he's right up there. Is he not? He was, he was seven to one. I'm not sure where he's at now, but I would suggest this. If you're going to bet on that awards market, just bet on Brian Dable to be coach of the year instead at like 14 yeah. to yeah. one plus. Yeah. I, you're just going to get better odds. Cause if Daniel Jones leads the 10 and seven giants while having like a top eight offense, Brian dabbles, probably my doppelganger here that makes yeah. much more money than I do. <laughs> He's probably, especially in the New York market, going to be in real good shape in that race. Yeah. It's crazy, Ryan. We were, we did this, we did this episode about a year ago or whatever. And I remember having that conversation about, Jason Garrett and just these zero lack of faith in that organization. And, and obviously, you know, it's hard to have any faith in the giants with how they've been for honestly, the better part of a decade here, but the, the, the level of optimism has done a complete 180 in, in this year's time. So we're hopeful. We're definitely hopeful. You, you guys the, obviously don't know this uh, the way that I do, but we do this every year as Nebraska Cornhusker football fans uh, <laughs> that I feel like New York Giants fans have seemingly done as well, where you talk yourself into some sort of, and I, I guess all sports fans do this, but I think it's unique to, to teams that have uh, once achieved greatness and then have sucked since. Yeah. Uh, and, and Nebraska coming from a decade of dominance in the 90s, and, and as Nebraska Cornhusker football fans, we do this every year where we look at the schedule and go, oh, there's, there's 10 or 11 wins there. Uh, and, and we're doing it again this year. Um, with with changes to the offensive coaching staff, with with additions through the transfer portal, uh, but it does it does actually feel like just with the Giants, it, it actually feels like there's reason for optimism this year and reason to believe that you know this could potentially be the year uh, that they turn it around. So for our Daniel Jones bags, for New York Giants sports fans, hopefully this is truly the year that we can we can turn it around a little bit. Hope so.
All right. You know, I don't I don't think we need to spend a ton of time here on the offensive player of the year award because a we we already mentioned all the quarterbacks, you know, that we would think be in the running for this award and also have, uh, you know, some card market interest. But but be like the skill position players. It's so hard to find a big market for some of these guys. And you really have to hit on big time outliers like you know last year's Cooper Cup, uh, for, for example, to, to realize big gains. But with that said, it did happen last year. We saw massive, massive increases in Cooper Cup's card market. Uh, and I think that this league is chock full of young, awesome offensive talent. And so if one of those guys goes out and does have uh, a Cooper Cup-like season, we could potentially see some massive returns for uh, for the card market as well. So, Ryan, anyone that we didn't mention, it could be non-quarterbacks. It could be a quarterback. I forgot to mention anybody uh, in the Offensive Player of the Year market that stands out to you is whether it be a long shot or somebody that we could buy in bulk this offseason in the card market? Yeah, um, generally speaking, I, I avoid this market for the most part when it comes to, like, actually betting on it because, you know, one year it's the MVP, double dips. The next, Sometimes, like, Drew Brees won, won once when he was 7-9, to nine, yeah. but he had, like, the right. best stats for a quarterback, right. but he can't win the MVP when you're, like, a you know not a playoff team. Um, and then, you know, sometimes the best skill position player in the league wins, like, last year. So I think if you're looking at that, I think Justin Jefferson has a good path, but, again, we're probably buying that guy at a peak in the collectibles market right now. You know, uh, two guys that I'm interested in for the offensive player of the year, but they're probably not guys you want to target in collectibles are Aaron Jones and Dalvin Cook. I think they're both pretty interesting for a variety of reasons, but I'd rather bet on a just straight up bet them than buy cards for guys who have been around for four or five years that play running back and have like, you know, a shelf life of maybe three years left as like a primary back. Um, I don't think I really have anyone that's super deep unfortunately that I, that I'd want to like, you know, buy collectibles of, but I'm going to have my eye on Brees Hall as a rookie for, for this like purpose this happening down the road, maybe. Cause I feel there's a lot of parallels with him and Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I just want to kind of pause here for one sec. I think it's really interesting to look at Cooper cups ascension and I'm not even necessarily trying to think of it from an offensive player of the year perspective, but just as an opportunity for offseason buying, right? If we had all this time last year bought a ton of Cooper cup, we would have made a ton of money by the end of the season. So let's try to look at guys that maybe had similar career paths, right? Very good receiver for his first three years, but the quarterback play wasn't so great. Matthew Stafford comes in and he sends him to the best receiver in the league. Are there other guys do we think out there in similar situations? I mean, guys on the Broncos maybe that have a better situation. Um, even someone like C.D. Lamb, who is, has Amari Cooper out of his way. Like, there's some guys here that we can maybe see that have already been kind of borderline Pro Bowl type players that can take a leap into all pro receivers that could be interesting off of Like, I think if you really break down the top 30-ish receivers in the league, there's probably some some names like that out there. Yeah, I would agree with you completely. And and a few of the names that I wrote down, Debo Samuel, uh, obviously his his kind of status right now up in the air. Um, it sounded like he reported today to minicams, or maybe it was yesterday. I was just trying to trying to keep up on news. But uh, Debo Samuel is a name that was interesting to me. He's ten to one in this market. Justin Jefferson, twenty eight to one, I think was a great shout for from from Ryan. Um, obviously, there's not a lot of this stuff on card ladder right now, but this is the kind of guy that I would be interested in getting bulk refractors just raw. And then, you know, if we do see that ascension, that Cooper Cup-like ascension, that outlier-type season, this is somebody that you can just start to offload throughout the regular season as he's putting up these insane numbers. Obviously, with with uh, new coaching staff in town, I think there's more reasons to be bullish on this, this wide receiving core that's already been phenomenal uh, in Minnesota. So I like Justin Jefferson. Jamar Chase is 35-1 to 1 in this market. Like that one as well, though, again, we're probably buying 
Uh, Jamar Chase at a peak. You mentioned CeeDee Lamb. I like that one a lot. I actually did write down Aaron Jones. Uh, I don't know what type of card market would be out there for Aaron Jones, but uh, you know, Evans talked about this a lot. Adams talked about this a lot. Aaron Jones is going to be the the wide receiver one and the running back one. Like for this offense, he could put up a massive, massive season. Uh, and even though he's been a guy that's established in the league for a while, uh, could be somebody that could see a, a little bit of a spike in his card market as well. A uh, guy that I don't know if like too many people are on from a hobby perspective, like these other young receivers like CD and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, you know, there's very little target competition in Indianapolis. That division is pretty wide open, obviously, for them to, to come out of the AFC South. And they get an improvement in quarterback play from Carson Wentz to, to Matt Ryan. So another guy that, you know, if you're looking to make these type of speculative buys in the offseason, guys that could potentially be, you know, fantasy stalwarts and guys that you could just unload throughout the, the course of the regular season, Michael Pittman, you get cheap refractors from that class uh, and, and just buy in bulk and start to offload throughout the season. Michael Pittman at 60 to one in this market is a guy that I could see putting up big, big numbers this year. Yeah. Just did a quick search on Aaron Jones. Okay. It's like kind of the equivalent of penny stocks here. So his silver raw rookies are selling anywhere between three and $6. So yeah. like raw, so like, I mean, yeah, we don't like to invest in running backs as a whole, but if he does ascend to that all pro type of offensive player of the year candidate level, that $3 will go to 15, 20 bucks raw. Right. So like, again, it's just, you can buy these things in bulk and, and, you know, offload as much as you want in 2017. That was when all those rookies were silver. So you're only getting silver. Going to be doing some more shopping. Aaron yeah. Jones. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron Jones is a good one, man. I'll tell you what, like I listen to those podcasts with, with Silva and Levitan. I mean, they get me hyped. Oh for, yeah. For Aaron Jones this season. I'm taking Aaron Jones like at the top of that tier and underdog all the yeah. time like that. Uh, you know, he sometimes will even take him over Joe Mixon, who's got like five ADP lower than him. You know, I think, I think Aaron Jones is a really strong uh, buy this year uh, in a lot of different ways. I've done 80 drafts to this point primarily so i could be very overweight on aaron jones yeah because he was yeah. going in like the third round early i know, yeah. uh, I know. Can, can i say two quick things on the yeah, guys you mentioned please do. yeah I, th I like michael Pittman. i actually thought about mentioning him i think the, the question with michael Pittman is can he be matt ryan's new roddy white and if the answer is yes that's an interesting buy mm. and uh cd lamb is a guy i've bought i've been buying him for the last two years you know i, yeah. I liked him in college He's, he's on the Cowboys, so he's going to be in the national spotlight constantly. So I'm a big fan of both of those calls. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I, I guess the, the big question with Pittman, even off the field stuff, like I guess I don't see like the, the hype for Pittman. Like you see, obviously, he hasn't been that caliber of player, but the, the level of uh, off the field charisma that you see from like guys like Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and CeeDee Lamb, like if Michael Pittman is – a bona fide wide receiver one and fantasy stud, like, is he still going to get that off the field recognition that these other guys do, you know? So that would be one, another concern a, that I it's have. A very, it's a very fair thing. I just want to touch on the Cowboys point quick. Like it's one of the few organizations in sports that raises the floor of, of a hobby. It really does. Like I'm looking again, we'll talk and I'm going to bring this guy up because he's not on our list to talk about when we talk about the prism that just came out, but Micah Parsons base prisms are going for 15 bucks base raw. okay his silvers are going for a hundred dollars raw right now and i get this product just came out last week but that's crazy for a defensive player i don't i get he might be lt light all that but like it's nuts and it's because he's a cowboy and he's defensive player of the year and, he, and everyone loves him and like it, it does hold true so that is what we call a professional transition there as we quickly turn to defensive player of the year i didn't write much down uh i i was talking last year during the super bowl uh i bought some aaron donald stuff that i thought was relatively cheap but uh, i think outside of like true transcendent defensive players it's tough to find uh, a big market maybe michael parsons is one of those guys but ryan looking at the defensive player of the year market miles garrett plus 700 aaron donald plus 700 tj watt plus 700 micah parsons 10 to 1 
Nick Bosa 15 to one, Joey Bosa 20 to one, any of those guys stand out. Uh, I guess Chase Young there at 20 to one as well. Any of those guys stand out as interesting uh, collectibles investments or, or guys that you're interested in this market or anyone further down the board? I think for collectibles and for the defensive play of the year, I'm interested in both Bosa's yep. at their current prices because we're playing in big markets, mm-hmm. uh, which means we're going to see them on in primetime games. Uh, Bosa gets Khalil Mack added to his added to his defense, which is going to be good for him. Because if Khalil Mack, for instance, he hates Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Like he plays Aaron Rodgers, he plays Tom Brady. He he has like a, another gear that guy. So. There might be teams that have to game plan more for him in certain contests where Joey Bosa's really never had like, you know, one-on-one blocking opportunities for a whole game in his whole pro career. Same with Nick Bosa. But those are the two guys out of that group where I feel Parsons and Garrett and definitely Watt and Donald, you're probably buying them at a peak. Where like with Parsons, I mean, you know, he's going to have to win at least one defensive player of the year or win a Super Bowl to go up from here. Because like you said, his prices are already absolutely insane for a defensive player. Yeah, it's that spike of the new release and, you know, all the hype coming off the rookie year. Um, but I will say, I mean, we started talking about it a little bit during the Super Bowl. But, you know, as as Ryan mentions, with like guys like, like J.J. Watt and certain, and certain other guys, there's these prime premier pass rushers have started having a little bit of a market here. I mean, I've seen it over the last year and a half or so. T.J. Watt sells uh, for sure. I mean, I'm looking at some of his SSPs from the new Prism release, like his snakeskin, that's like a case hit, went for almost $200 raw recently. So, like, you know, it's not like these guys don't have a market. I know, especially like their on-card auto stuff from NT. Like, you know, I, I don't, I don't hate investing in like premier pass rushers. Like, even for the Giants, when like next year stuff comes out, like just because it would be fun for a PC, but I wouldn't mind trying to grab some Kayvon Thibodeau, things like that. You know, people that have big personality that can put up big sack numbers. Agree on him specifically. Um, he seems like the guy the Giants need. And to to accentuate your point here, I made some pretty outstanding ROI on Aaron Donald because I was buying yeah. him at the end of his rookie year. And yeah, I mean, there's I'm things sorry, I bought for 20 cents that yeah. like I sold for $10, you know, so, and the autographs, like, you know, granted, like the, the whole industry, you know, swelled massively, but I, I bought rookie autos for him for five bucks that, you know, I've sold for like 150 and so on. So, yeah, that's crazy. Cause we, we were looking at him like before the Super Bowl week as a person that was a little bit low and, and we did hit that his stuff went up after the Super Bowl. But yeah, I mean, those kind of margins that you were talking about um, are it's smart, man. Like if you, if, the, if you have some fiction on like a mid first round, early second round guy from the last couple of years, that's a good pass rusher. Uh, I don't think it hurts to, to go out and try to buy those guys that, you know, 99 cent auction type thing, type of things like that for sure. And you talk about the personality for these guys, like <laughs> just looking, through the top of the defensive player of the year award uh i mean it's personality after personality big name after big name miles garrett aaron donald tj watt micah parsons like these guys uh you know to to the football fan are as as recognizable as you know any of the skill position players that we just talked about nick bosa joey bosa chase young even a little bit further down the board cleo mack like people recognize these guys and i think that stands out to collectors uh as well we're, we're gonna skip over offensive rookie of the year this year because product is just so far away for these guys. And and this will be an interesting discussion that Gary and I can have um, throughout the season too, because I think it's a pretty weak class, but we do have product as Gary has alluded to for last year's rookie class. And I think it's kind of interesting to look back and not necessarily do a redraft of that class, but just look through some of these guys' market. I know Gary has some of the numbers pulled up, but just would love to talk with Ryan, get his take on any of these guys that he's potentially investing in, whether it be on all day or, or through collectibles. Now that prism is out, but obviously that list includes Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, even Jamar chase, who we've mentioned Davis mills, a little bit further down the list. 
Uh, Ryan, any of these guys after their rookie season that stand out as interesting buys for you? I like Trevor Lawrence. I'm I'm overexposing him in best ball currently. I think Doug Peterson's a good fit for him because Trevor Lawrence is actually a very good runner. He didn't really run last year, so I like him for fantasy purposes. In collectibles, I would love to buy him, but they're paying Christian Kirk $21 million a year. So the supporting <laughs> cast is going to be average at best going forward, it seems. So that's concerning for me. Um, I, I like Matt Jones. When the Patriots drafted Mac Jones, I DM'd Leone and told him, I was like, my first note when I was watching him in the offseason was he reminds me of Tom Brady because of his, his processing speed and how he rips through progressions. That's similar. So I like him, but I'm concerned about New England's roster currently. And plus Belichick, I don't know how old he is exactly, but he's not going to be coaching forever at this point. He's prob- Jones probably won't finish his career with Belichick, but I do like him. Uh, Fields. The Bears were just put in a tough spot here roster-wise. You know, they were up against the – their back was against the wall with the cap. So I think maybe there's a dip this year just because of the roster. And then next year, maybe there's a buying opportunity. We'll see. Um, Chase, you're probably buying him at a peak. But, you know, he's a guy where Hall of Fame, you know, is on the table with him because he's going to play his whole career with Joe Burrow. So that's that's a very interesting case where it may be a peak now, but – there's still path for it to, to grow beyond here. I'm going to avoid Davis Mills. I don't, I don't need to, to, to dabble in that. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I just thought he's an interesting name to throw in there. I mean, it seems like the coaching staff's all behind him. So, you know, I mean, he looked like he belonged at the very least last year as a low end starter. So, um, you know, I, it's just a name. If you're looking to go a full two tiers underneath the main four or five guys uh, that you could look at. Um, yeah. I just wanted to note quickly on, on the prism release. So came out, I believe beginning of last week, finally, we got 2021 NFL Prism. Boxes have seemed to settle in around 1300, 1350. Um, so definitely not cheap right now. And, you know, it's going to be hard to get your value back in one box. Like a Trevor Lawrence auto, I just saw went for like 1800. So if you pull like just a Trevor Lawrence auto out of a box, you're only making four, 400 ish profit. Uh, so you really need to get like a low colored refractor of one of these quarterbacks to like really make a nice ROI on these boxes. So just something to keep in mind. Uh, but as we know, you know, it's one of the deeper first round quarterback classes in a while. So you have a lot to chase. Um, I'm still interested in it from a breaking perspective. Yeah, it's not cheap, but obviously it's a cheaper way to target specific guys. So it's one of the first products in a long time. I've been interested in from a breaking perspective, go buy the Jaguar somewhere. Uh, if you want to buy Trevor Lawrence, you can get them in half cases or three box lots, four box lots. You're spending $400 instead of, $1,400 on a box and you know at the very least every card that is Trevor Lawrence you know you, you will get so I think target the guys you like and go through breaks is, is my specific suggestion for this product but I'm excited about it I mean you're definitely buying peaks if you're buying singles right now I'd wait for this stuff to settle in it's the same stuff that we've spoken about it's a really easy investment analysis you sell the base off early because the stuff really really spikes like crazy and if you want to buy um, some of the refractors right now I think it's okay but you can kind of take your take your lane there but yeah I mean Mac Jones bases right now uh, I I'm seeing sell for almost up to $80 at points. Usually you've seen between 70 and $80 just for his base card. Um, Trevor Lawrence is around 60. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's really crazy. You're going to see for bases, but I'm really interested in colored refractors of most of these main guys. Uh, if you're able to kind of get your hands on them. Have you hopped in any breaks yet? And if so, or have you, have you even kept an eye on which teams are, are selling the highest? Is it the Jags? Is it, is it Mac Jones and the Patriots? Are, are we getting big discounts on guys like Trey Lance and Justin Fields at this point? Yeah, very, very sparingly. I've hopped in a couple breaks. Haven't hit anything major, unfortunately. I bought the Jaguars in a couple first off the line boxes when before the main stuff came out uh, a week ago, going for those blue shimmer, gold shimmers. Um, 
and, you know, obviously did not hit. But yeah, I mean, what I'm seeing pretty consistently around the industry is the Patriots remain the most expensive, which to me is crazy. I get it. I'm with I'm with you guys. I think Mac Jones is going to have a really good, long, sustained career. Um, but, you know, just from an intangible standpoint, it's not the same as some of these other guys. And I think it's the New England hype that's driving him to the highest price. So not interested in him at current prices. I'm seeing the Jaguars be about 50 to $100 underneath them in most breaks. Uh, then the Niners would come in next with Trey Lance. Then you got the Bears and then the Jets, uh, usually in that order. So you're still getting Zach Wilson at the cheapest if you're interested in that, uh, you know, that path. The Bengals usually around the same price as the Jets, really. So you, you're looking at yes. Jamar, investing in Jamar Chase and Zach Wilson around the same. Yeah. Same price. See, like, and maybe maybe Zach Wilson just isn't good, which which could be a problem. But I mean, things things are really looking up for them offensively. I think the the addition uh, additions that they made in the offseason, obviously, you know, this is somebody that may not make an immediate turnaround uh, in the short term, but. Uh, obviously number two overall pick in the New York market, the additions that they made to the the wide receiver core. I think he's got good pieces around him. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think at current prices, I'd rather invest in Zach Wilson than Mac Jones, but maybe that's a bad take. No, I'm, I'm with you as well, especially when you're talking about opportunity costs. Um, sorry, I got sirens going here, but yeah, I mean, it's, I still like these boxes as a whole. They're just not cheap. Um, I, I'm curious to see how they settle in over the next three or four weeks because we're still really in the infancy. People are ripping through this stuff like crazy. Um, we already got the black 101 Mac Jones hit market. We'll see what that ends up selling for long term, but that's a huge, huge card. So you're starting to see a, huge, a couple major, major cards already hit hit the streets. Yeah, I saw Trevor Lawrence gold vinyl out of five, I think, on auto, uh, on card auto was yep. was pulled. So I, yeah, yeah, you're seeing some some massive cards already pulled out of this product. Um, do you think that there's uh, a sealed sealed wax investment opportunity here at thirteen hundred dollars, or would you wait? It's a really hard question. Um, I think I'd wait. I think I'd wait a little bit, especially with the amount, the way this stuff's being ripped. Like just the Mac Jones one, a black one, a one, you know, coming out is a big deal. We're seeing gold vinyls. I saw a gold vinyl of five come out from Mac Jones. You mentioned that Trevor Lawrence. Like I'm seeing gold vinyls hit the streets a lot quickly as well. Obviously the amount of refractors now are just so high that you'll always have a chase kind of going, but I think I'd wait a little bit for the hype to settle down just a tad. Um, but, you know, the history of what the way these prison boxes go is by midseason and when they're kind of sold out of hobby shops is that they go back up. So if you have the price, I, I think it's somewhat safe, but I, I'm, I'm a, kind of more prone to wait right now. All right, boys, I think we, we hit on it all. Was there anything that we missed? Any last minute, last minute hot takes we want to get off on the awards market? Uh, I'll say something about Zach Wilson, strategy-wise or collectibles. The yep. Jets opening schedule is brutal. It's, it's okay. literally brutal. So we're like if they went two and six, one and seven – that's on the table. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to wait through that and then maybe look to buy after once they get like during the fantasy playoffs. I know they played the Seahawks. They have a few weaker opponents. So I think towards the end of the year, we, cause I love what the jets have done roster wise. They've, they've completely turned that team around. Yeah. So I think I'm going to wait in the second half of the year, see if there's anything I like with Wilson or with uh, Zach Wilson on the field and then pull the trigger later in the year. I love that. Is there, and you, you gave us these good nuggets last year with the schedule stuff too. Anything else for the first like four or five weeks of the season, either hard or easy schedule that we should be looking to, you know, be prepared to sell or buy kind of, you know, after the first quarter of the season or so. Mahomes is real, real hard. Yeah. Josh Allen's opening schedule is actually pretty hard, but okay. his, his really tapers off towards the end. So I don't think I'd be, you know, I might want to add more if say Buffalo's four and three, maybe right. I, you know, maybe that's my situation, but I'm not looking to sell Josh Allen. Uh, New Orleans has a pretty interesting early season where they're kind of soft, where I know I started taking Olave more after the, the schedule released in best yeah. ball, just because like they have some pretty good runs where maybe he could, 
he could pop off, pop off a little bit, which makes Winston an interesting offensive uh, or comeback player of the year candidate. I would not surprise me at all if by the end of September he was entrenched in the lead. Uh, those are the ones off the top of my head that I can think of that are early. Man, I would be shocked just just hearing the Mahomes early season schedule stuff com- accompanied w- uh, you know accompanied with the the Tyreek Hill departure. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see a nice little dip on Mahomes uh, and, at the early part of the season. And Cody, if you remember, people panic on Mahomes, right? We had yeah, this whole thing last did. year, and we we were we were banging the table, bye bye bye, in midseason, and and we were right. Um, you know, and and so for for whatever reason, he's one of those guys that people are really ready to sell off when he has the dips because I think his bad games look really bad, despite the fact that he's a generational talent. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's a really good call. Yeah, and we kind of dusted over comeback player of the year, and we'll, I think we'll wrap up here. But I'm with you on on Jameis and we spoke about him in that same conversation last year when Dak was so heavily the favorite and obviously we saw Burrow come home with that award I mean let's not say anyone is like a shoe in to win that award so I think Jameis coming back you know new coach if they surprise I think that the expectation levels lower um you know now under Dennis Allen obviously you know we'll see if they can get anything out of Michael Thomas but they bring in Jarvis Landry they draft Chris Olave it's not like he is without um talents I, I without you know weapons i'm really interested to see what happens with alvin kamara though i think that's a big deal for him just with a little safety valve but yeah i'm, I'm bullish on on Jameis. i have a one of one nt hats off rpa that i'm hoping to offload uh this this season for sure wow baby yeah. Yeah, i mean any any market that has deshaun watson as as like co-favorite or plus 500 or yeah. whatever uh for for comeback player of the year i mean you can get Jameis winston in that market at plus 550 like ryan said maybe after the first month it wouldn't be shocking to see him at like minus 200 or something you know just just uh you know clear favorite for that award uh yeah. gary's going to try and offload some bags obviously throughout the season and hopefully we can do that with Daniel Jones too. You guys, you guys think this is the comeback of the 2015 NFL draft? Mariota and Winston come, coming back strong for the hobby this year? I think a lot of 2015 investors would be really happy. Um, anyway, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see. They're both, they'll both have an opportunity though. But this was a lot of fun, Ryan. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, this was great. Appreciate appreciate you taking the time, Ryan. Obviously, I know you're a very busy man. Uh, you you talked me off the ledge on on a few bad quarterbacks. Something that I'm very good at doing is in, investing in bad quarterbacks. Sam Darnold, Tua Tagovailoa, Daniel Jones. Uh, there there's many more that I have. Oh, Drew Locke. Cannot forget about Drew Locke. Uh, plenty of bad quarterbacks that I have decided to invest in, hoping to uh, to catch the bottom and sell high, but just hasn't come to fruition yet. So I can't wait to do that again this year with Zach Wilson. Uh, but appreciate you coming on, Ryan. This was a ton of fun. Uh, for Ryan, for Gary, I'm Cody. We'll see you guys next week. Take care.